0: Welcome to the fire the family podcast. Did you know the average American is behind on their retirement savings? Imagine if your family could learn to budget, save and invest enough to become financially independent. I'm here to show you through my own experience exactly how you can get on the path to financial independence and reach retirement on or before the age of 65. From age 19 to 28, Kayla and I have been married for nine years, had three boys, and earned four degrees combined with no student loan debt, and have taken our household income from zero to over $130,000 a year. We both want to invite you to FireTheFamily.com, where we have free tools and resources that you can use to get started on your financial independence journey. Now, let's get into the episode. Hey, welcome to episode 28 of the Fire the Family podcast. I'm Nick, and thank you so much for taking the time out of your not-so-busy day. Uh, to listen to the uh, most recent episode here. I appreciate your attention. And today we're going to be talking about the coronavirus, obviously. We're going to be talking about its effect on the stock market, on the government, what the president said today at uh, the press conference. We're going to talk about working from home. We're going to talk about living in Washington Washington State, where I live uh, during this whole thing currently. Uh, up, well, up until like yesterday, Washington was sort of the epicenter in the United States. States. Um, and I think that's shifting more to New York uh, as it stands today, just being the, the most hardest hit so far uh, with this whole outbreak. And um, I mean, Washington's definitely going through it over in Seattle. Um, and it was basically the first area in the United States to really, uh, really show signs of the virus being spread. With that being said, I don't want every episode from here on out to be about the virus. I'm sure you guys are as tired of hearing about it as I am. There's a lot of fear out there, there's a lot of misinformation, and there's a lot of um, just kind of hysterical buying and things going on um, in my neck of the woods. I'm not sure if that's going on in your neck of the woods, but um, hopefully I can sort of be a voice of reason and um, let you know what we're doing and what's working well for us and our family, how we're avoiding the virus, and um, what we're going to be doing looking forward to in the future. Um, So if you're affected by this, uh, if you're a small business owner, if you're out of work, if you're in the services industry, if you work in bars, restaurants, nightclubs, uh, tattoo parlors, Um, anything besides groceries and uh, uh, pharmaceuticals or pharmacies, um, then, you know, my thoughts and prayers go out to you. And I'm really sorry about, um, about the toll that this is taking on you potentially. And it's really why we talk so much about having an emergency fund in place. And we're really seeing that play out currently and among people that are close to us, um, hearing about the effects of of the shutdown and and everything that's going on. So I don't want to get too far into it. Let's take a step back real quick. Washington state. I live in Eastern Washington, and so Washington state is kind of a unique state in the nation where there is a mountain range called the Cascades and that divides the state in half. And because of that, the west side of the state is completely different than the east side of the state, both from a political standpoint, a geographical standpoint, climate standpoint. The types of people, the, the um, minorities that are there, like everything is so different on the west side than the east side. And so uh, I grew up and I, I currently live on the east side. And so it's very much um, conservative, more rural, more spread out, um, very much less population density. Not as many uh, uh, Asian immigrants as you have in a place like Seattle. The workforce is completely different. We don't have a big tech industry on this side of the state. Uh, Seattle, as you know, is really big in the tech industry and uh, obviously has over a million people in the city itself. So it's no wonder that... (laughs) that uh, if a virus that started out of China would spread somewhere like Seattle, there's a lot of travel, there's a lot of business travel that uh, takes place, there's a lot of travel of people going home to visit their families and flying back and forth. And so it does make sense that that is something that would spread uh, from a place like China to a place like Seattle. Um, With that being said, uh, there is a large... um, elderly population in Seattle. And that's really where we saw it first grab a hold and and people start showing symptoms and ultimately dying, uh, in like the life care center in Kirkland, Washington, Uh, which fun fact, by the way, is the, um, I learned yesterday is the reason why Costco is what Costco named their signature brand Kirkland, uh, after the city. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, with that being said, it's obviously around in the community that I'm in. I'm sure, um, we had our first positive test result today came out in the news for our local city. Um, I think that there's already people in quarantine and there's people from outside the city that are being treated in uh, one of our hospitals here because we have a really robust uh, healthcare system uh, for our, our our population size. So we have about two 200, maybe a quarter million people in our city. Um, and it's multiple cities, uh, just really close to each other, really. And uh, we have a really, I feel like a really strong healthcare system. We have several hospitals. We have a lot of small, health clinics and it just always has felt like um, compared to other cities that I've been to or have lived in it feels like we have a really uh, robust uh, healthcare care uh, infrastructure here as well as it's one of the top places in the region to get treated for things like cancer and um, and other things like that so they say that they're very well you know prepared they've treated viruses worse than this and so hopefully um, it's something that doesn't get too bad in my neck of the woods so the uh, healthcare system isn't um, too overran. And that's really what we're seeing in Italy and probably going to happen in the UK and New York and possibly in Seattle where there's just such a huge rise and influx of people getting sick that need treatment and there's just not enough hospital beds. Um, so it's super unfortunate. Um, with that being said, we are uh, doing what we can. We're following the rules and the things that the governors have put in, the governor of Washington's put in place. Um, basically, I'm able to work from home full time. My wife is a teacher, so she doesn't have to go in. Um, she's off for the next six weeks at least, while schools are all closed in our state. And she's still getting paid. Um, She's still getting. She got a notice last night that she's still going to receive her paycheck. And since I can still work full time, business as usual from home, uh, I'm nothing really changes other than the fact that I think we're entering or are already in a recession. And so um, I've already had a few uh, deals that I had uh, business deals that I had. Uh, basically verbal agreements on that are starting to back out um, because they're unsure of what the uh, economic outlook looks like for the next uh, year or so. So I'm already seeing the effects of that. Um, Being in sales, commission sales, recessions are not a great time for us, but we do what we can. And luckily that I'm a 50-50 commission to uh, salary split. So uh, we're going to be all right. Uh, With that being said, we are looking at um, how we can help those around us how we can support our friends and family if needed, and uh, how we, we're we just kind of keeping an eye on everything and, and just seeing what, what to do next. Uh, but we are not leaving our house. So um, it's just we're staying in. We're, we're not in the at-risk group. Our kids, we have three kids, but kids are not being as heavily affected as other age ranges. Uh, they can definitely still pass it on, but we're just doing our part in uh, staying home and uh, staying busy. So I'm working all day at home from my desk in my bedroom, and my wife is taking care of the kids, uh, kind of doing a sort of homeschool situation uh, to keep them busy and everybody keep everybody sane. I'm no, not going to the gym because the gyms are all closed, and so I've been uh, in the afternoon, about lunchtime, been doing kind of afternoon workouts and just body weight exercises every other day and then going on a jog every other day and just to stay busy get out of the house get some fresh air and like I said keep my sanity says we have about a 1500 square foot house and three boys all under the age of eight and it can just get very busy and very loud so we're doing what we can to uh to stay, um, to keep everything straight. And it's going to be a long haul. We've got like six more weeks of this. And so um, I'm just hoping everything plays out. And um, the things that they've put in place that the government's put in place is going to be helpful. And that we really won't see the effects for weeks to months if it um, was helpful. But I don't see if everyone's staying home and all the businesses are shut down. I don't see how that does not slow down the uh, rate of spread of the infection. So I just hope that, um, not too many elderly people are affected and the people that do get sick are able to get the treatment that they need. And we all need to be playing our part in that. The best thing you can do is literally just stay home and watch Netflix, uh, or get a project, go to run to home Depot real quick and get a bunch of wood and build a bench or something. Um, it's funny. I saw a meme the other day that said, uh, all we want to do is stay home and do nothing until we're told to stay home and do nothing. And then you don't want to do it. And that's totally how it feels. I think that we don't realize how much we go out and about, how much we shop and how much we spend at restaurants and how often we are out entertaining ourselves uh, when we're not at work. And I think that that just brings it to light uh, kind of how, how much we need that, how much we need that social interaction because people are going to start going a little stir crazy. So let's talk about working from home. Let's get some actionable advice out of this episode here. Um, I can work remotely. I'm so thankful for my job in that um, I can, as long as I have a cell phone, a bare minimum, I can do my job. Not super effectively, but I can do it. If I have a laptop, then I'm almost at full efficiency. And if I have multiple screens, then I am at like peak Proficiency of my job, so or efficiency of my job. So, I uh, it's something that I don't take for granted. I, I'm thankful for it every single day that I have the ability to, to work from my house or anywhere that has an internet connection, and it's just really nice. And so I want to provide some advice and some insight to people who may not have that ability, and maybe want to start looking to getting a job like that in the future. And I definitely think that working remotely is the future. Uh, We're already seeing large companies, Apple, Twitter, uh, Amazon, using this as using this pandemic situation as a way to stress test their remote workforce. And if it goes well and they're, they don't see a huge drop in productivity, uh, I think that we see more remote work. I think Twitter came out about a month ago and had already kind of pledged to move a thousand of their jobs to remote jobs. And the nice thing about it is it's a, it's a win-win for everybody. It's a win for the company because they have less overhead. They can have smaller a smaller footprint when it comes to buildings and real estate. Uh, they... Um can hire people from talent pools outside of their geographical region. So previously, Twitter could really only hire people mostly within San Francisco. And then what happens is the people work there for a few years, get the experience and bounce to another company. And they just keep kind of recirculating, you know, people. And that's why they have the stock setups that they do, where they uh, have to be with the company a certain amount of years for those stock options to vest. And then it's kind of like a golden handcuffs approach to try to keep people from bouncing from company to company. Well, now, they can hire people from all over the nation or world, and they're not limited to the people that are willing to move to San Francisco. So, for example, I feel like I'm very decent at my job. I could probably uh, have a lot to offer to a company outside of my region. Um, let's say it was Twitter, for example, or any other company in San Francisco. But there's no way I would move my family from Washington State to San Francisco, California. I just would not do it for many reasons. Um, but that So that basically keeps me out of that potential job pool or anybody else that may be a really good candidate for the position position. And now they can open that up and and hire people from all over the place. So remote work is definitely really great from that standpoint, from the employer standpoint. Remote work is also really great from the employee standpoint. And the reason being is that you can work from anywhere that you would like to, you can live in a cheap housing market or cheap cost of living market and work for a company that's going to pay you way more than your local region would be able to afford to pay you. And that is a huge benefit. Here's a good example. Uh, Basecamp, the company Basecamp, they're valued at like $100 billion. They only have like 50 employees and they are located in San Francisco. There was a recent podcast I was listening to. I can't remember which channel it was on, uh, but they were talking about paying people no matter where they lived the San Francisco rate. They said they pay the 98 percentile for San Francisco. So they're like one of the, they pay at the high, high end of the market for San Francisco, but they're paying people that live in Tennessee, that live in Kansas, that live in really cheap uh, housing markets, that same rate. And so that is interesting. It's kind of amazing. And it's a really good benefit for the people that live uh, in these cheaper places to live. So what you're seeing a lot of people doing, especially young people, you're seeing them live in a cheap housing market, working for remotely for companies like that, that are going to pay them way higher than what they would be able to get locally. And then they are able to invest around them in real estate and ultimately invest more in the market and uh, build their wealth faster and reach things like financial independence at a much younger age. And so if you're, you know, into the fire movement, which if you're listening to this, you probably already know what that is. Um, being able to achieve financial independence and have the ability to retire early or work for whoever you want, however you want, whenever you want, wherever you want, um, before the traditional retirement age, then working remotely is like one of the best things you could do for that future. So for example, if my wife wasn't teaching – We've talked about it many a times to just move somewhere. We really like the Texas area, but to move somewhere in the United States, it's cheaper cost of living has more to offer from a family standpoint. Um, and me just retaining my job remotely, which is definitely cap- I'm capable of doing. And so you just have so much more freedom. And that's why you see a lot of people, especially on social media called digital nomads, and they travel the world. They work remotely a lot. Most of them are software uh, engineers, software coders, and they uh, are able to work remotely and, travel the world. So that's kind of the extreme end of the spectrum. But everything between working at a desk job in a brick and mortar building to traveling the world working remotely, that's kind of the spectrum that we're talking about. And I'm somewhere in the middle, uh, where if we went on like a three week trip, if as long as I have internet, I could still technically do my job. Uh, And so that freedom is just really cool, really interesting to have. And it really helps during times like this when we have these big pandemics uh, or things that um, 1985, 1984, 1985, Mount St. Helens in Washington State blew up um, and sent ash all over the state. And basically people were on a similar type of lockdown. I don't think it was as long, but the lockdown was in place so people wouldn't go out and breathe all the ash that was falling from the sky. And that type of disaster seems to happen fairly regularly, probably. So we have like hurricanes, we've got floods, we've got um, obviously this viral outbreak, we've got um, things like volcanoes erupting, I don't know, there's always, always going to be something is what I'm trying to say. And having the ability to continue working and not be affected by any sort of shutdown, or market decline, or, you know, things like that is just really nice to have. Um, it's a really great benefit. So how can you work remotely if that's something that you wish to do? Um, One, your job needs to be able to be completed remotely. If you're building houses and pounding nails, it's not likely you can do that from a remote environment in your house through a computer. So we have to be realistic when we're looking at the industries that we're in um, and if that's conducive to remote work. If not, then your options are to switch industries or jobs or responsibilities or... Basically, that's your option. If you want to work remotely and your job just isn't conducive to it, then you have to kind of look at getting a new uh, a new job. And that might entail learning a new skill, learning a new uh, trade. It might entail uh, going back to college. It might, you know, just depends. You have to kind of work backwards. If that's your goal so to be able to work remotely, then you got to set that as your goal and figure out the steps uh, to get to that goal and then execute on those. For example, I went from working on airplanes in the Air Force from the age of 19 uh, to really desiring not to do that for 20 plus years and traveling uh, being away from my family a lot and so I started doing to college while I was in the military ultimately separating finishing school getting a job uh, in the software industry and then basically got to that goal right I got the cushy desk job that I dreamed of when I was working midnight shift in ankle deep rainwater on the flight line and for me that was the ultimate the ultimate uh, opposite of what I was doing so you got to figure out what it is you want to do and figure out the steps it's going to take to get there. Identify how long those steps are going to take you to get there and if that's something that's worthwhile for you to achieve. It's really just basic goal setting uh, to get to that point. Um, if your job is conducive to working remotely, then that's something that's a conversation that you need to have between you, your manager, and your leadership um, to see kind of what their objections are to being you being able to work remotely. And if they don't, you know, support that. They don't support your your desire to work remotely and there may be a few reasons and none of them are very positive reasons. So you have trust issues, they're unable to micromanage you as well as if they have eyes on you in the office, they may be afraid that you won't be accountable to get your work done and they themselves may be unable to work remotely so therefore they really don't want you to be able to do that. Uh, There may be more reasons than that but those are probably the top reasons And if that was my situation, I would probably reflect on uh, who am I working for? And if they can't trust me to get my job done, then why did they hire me in the first place? And so that to me is a huge red flag. And I'm not saying you should quit your job tomorrow, but that's something that I would definitely look at. Um, I mean, you're giving them your time and time is all we really have at the end of the day. Um, And they should, they should, if they hired you to do the job, they should trust that you're going to be able to do the job uh, no matter where you're at or um, what you know, what your, what your environment is uh, when you're working. So in order to have that conversation and have the leverage in that conversation, you need to be effective at your job. You need to excel, you need to do what's asked, you need to meet your deadlines, you need to show up to work on time, you need to interact with your employee, employee other fellow employees um, in a positive manner probably need to work ahead and stay ahead of you know, your responsibilities. Um, you need to be able to attend meetings um, often and, and not be late to those and be able to go to those uninterrupted, um, be able to complete your goals with minimal oversight. Uh, communicate with teammates effectively. So I kind of just went over that. But um, you need to be able to uh, do your job to the best of your abilities and meet or exceed the goals that are given to you in your workplace. If you can do that, and then I think the conversation with your manager or leadership saying, hey, I think I want to work remotely or want to give that a try, uh, they should definitely be supportive of it. And maybe you go from the approach of asking for a trial period, Maybe they give you a month, 30 days, you work remotely, and then you can come back and talk about it and uh, extend that out maybe to a quarter, and then maybe from that quarter to six months to a year, and you can just transition slowly into remote work. And that may allow your employer to get comfortable with the process, to know that you're still going to be meeting or exceeding your goals. To know that uh, you are a responsible employee, and then allows you a chance to kind of keep one foot in the door and one foot out, so they don't, you know, mothball your office and give it to somebody else. Um, you know, so you make sure you can still retain that that in-office work if you choose to do so. Some people don't like working remotely. Some people don't like working from home. It's a di- completely different. Uh, situation than working uh, face-to-face with your employee, fellow employees. And so you want to maybe retain some of that ability to be able to go back and work uh, in the office if you should choose to do so. Um, we've talked about the benefits of remote work, um, just that freedom that it gives, uh, the ability to work uh, in times like this when everyone's getting shut down, I can still, uh, I can still do what's required of me uh, from my computer. Resources required are minimal. Uh, I would like to have a multiple screen setup at home. Right now, I've got a small laptop and a pretty good sized desktop. I would like to link those screens together and possibly add a third screen if I were to do this uh, more regularly full time. And I think when Kayla and I buy our next house, it's going to be quite a bit bigger uh, to give room for the boys to continue to grow. And it'll probably be the last bit, the last house we buy as a family. Um, we're just going to get something that I think we can raise the family in, the boys in for the rest of the time that they're in the house. Then Kayla and I will probably downsize um, after that and, and you know, continue on uh, without kids in the house. Um so when that happens, I'll probably try to transition to work pretty much full time from home. It's something that I've kind of always wanted to do. Uh, while I like working with my fellow employees, I like seeing them in the office. Uh, this is the freedom that comes along with working from home is just, um, I just really like it. Uh, I like, I think, you know, it saves a lot on gas. It keeps me from having to drive all over the town. Um, I'm, I feel like I am able to focus more. It's more effective uh, I'm more effective. I can re- get in the flow state a little bit easier. I can just crunch out a whole bunch of work really fast. And I just, uh, I really, I really like it so far. Um, so talk a little bit about the recession driven by the coronavirus, um, earlier we talk about being in Washington state, which is kind of crazy. Schools are closed for the next six weeks. Uh, pretty much most of the nation is doing that now. Um, daycare is partially closed. Uh, we are not going to be putting our kids in daycare, um, just because we're home. Um, and they've kind of requested that we, uh, that we don't use it if we don't need it because they're still having you know frontline workers, healthcare workers, uh, police, firefighters, um, people that have their kids in the daycare. They're still going to be uh, attending daycare, so they're asking us not to use it if we don't need it. Um, so they're actually refunding our money, or not refunding, but not billing us, and so we don't have to uh, we don't have to worry about that payment. So we're actually saving a little bit of money during this time. We're also not spending any gas money because we're not driving anywhere. Um, food and preparations uh, we spent about eighty dollars more on groceries than normal for this time period. We usually shop at two week increments anyways. And Costco, we go to once a month. So we had already done our Costco shopping the first week of March. And then we did our grocery pickup a little bit sooner than a few days earlier than normal. And we bought a little bit more than normal. And then I ran up to the grocery store over the weekend and got a few more things like mac and cheese and some stuff that we really needed. Um, but we're not overbuying, we're not overbuying toilet paper or uh, paper towels or soap or hand sanitizer, uh, mostly because we're not going out and about, we're going to stay at home and it's 2020, there's plenty of ways to get food nowadays that don't require you going to the grocery store. So worst case scenario, we'll subscribe to Butcher Box or use the Thrive Market or we'll do something um, if we can't go to the grocery store for some reason. Um, but we're good on food for at least the next 30 days, I'd say. We are implementing a no-visitor policy to our house. And that means friends, family, nobody. Nobody's coming over um, to give us anything, to say, hey. Uh, because if that, if we do that, then this whole lockdown thing is for nothing. The self-quarantine thing that we're doing for the next few weeks, it really kind of defeats the whole purpose. And... Um, I just don't really want to get sick. (laughs) And so if this is, you know, I've, I didn't get the flu this year. I usually get sinus infections once or twice a year. Um, I just hate being sick. And it's a good opportunity to just kind of like, take a break from everybody for a little while. And so we're kind of taking the opportunity to do that for at least the next 10 days, two weeks, three weeks, we'll see we'll see how long that uh, needs to stay in place. Investing, uh, just a quick bit on investing. I have not. Invested any money in the market since the first week of March, and I don't plan to do so until the first week of April. And I dollar cost average and I don't time the market. And if when I contribute, when I allocate my money monthly, if that happens to be during a time where the market is down, then that's wonderful, then that's fine, Uh, that'll help me in the future. But just because the market dropped, you know, another 15% the last 24 hours doesn't mean I'm scrounging to get cash to put into the market because the reality is if we're in a recession right now, then the market's going to continue to go down or remain fairly flat. And we have plenty of time to do that. And I don't really want to, um, take away, you know, dip into our emergency fund or anything like that to continue to invest. So business as usual, uh, Kayla and I both get paid at the beginning of the month and we will make our investments then. And I'm going to continue buying um, Vanguard Total Stock Market Index or VTSAX among a few other index funds that are low fee index funds and business as usual. You know, I'm kind of keeping an eye on everything. I'm mostly watching the reactions of the people in the market and uh, people around me and trying to learn. And so I'm able to spot these things in the future um, and be able to capitalize on them. So really doing my best to learn everything I can during this time period and just be a a quiet observer and um, do my own thing. So Kayla asked me uh, last night if stock market wise, if quote, we're going to be okay. And I was like, hold on. So just, just think about that for a minute. What does that mean when you say that? Um, Are we going to be okay in the short term? Yes, because we can't access that money anyways, uh, even if we wanted to. I mean, we could pull money out of our Roth IRA and you can pull contributions out, but there's no plan to do that. We have an emergency fund. Um, So from a short term, yeah, we're going to be just fine because our stock market situation isn't any different today than it was uh, three weeks ago. I'll bet it's a little lower. uh, It's a little less valuable, but um, our time horizon is still at least a decade or two away. Um, So yeah, we're going to be plenty fine. And we don't stop contributing because if we were to stop contributing right now and wait until the market recovers, then we're not doing any good because we're just buying when the market's at the highest points that it's at. And so you don't want to do that. You want to buy when the market's down, you want to buy when the market's up and everywhere in between. Uh, for the long term. And that's what we're doing. So I had a good chance to explain that to her and ask her if she had any questions about it. Um, But um, she mostly trusts me to make these decisions. And I feel like I'm in a good place to control the finances in a sense for the family when it comes to investing and our investment decisions. And that's not to say that I don't uh, include her in all all these things and try to teach her. I'm trying to teach her more than she wants to learn. And so I get shut down pretty often about these things. So I just like to make sure she knows what we're doing, and uh, that she's cool with it, and that she understands it. So, um, that's a huge part of it, but I hope, um, I hope everything goes well for you. Um, I haven't even checked my investment accounts to be honest, uh, in the last two weeks, and I don't really have any plan to anytime soon. Um, I will at the end of, at the end of March, beginning of April, when I make my contributions. But other than that, um, you know, I'm not too worried about it. I'm trying to remain emotionally stable um, and ride the not ride the roller coaster of emotions that the whole world is riding right now. And I think that's probably one of the best things that we can do as uh, individuals. Uh, So I hope that you stay safe. I hope that you stay home if that's what's being asked of you by the state or federal government. And, uh, you know, if we don't, if we don't do that, if we don't listen, and we go out and we continue to spread the virus, then there's a good chance that they step in and they have more restrictive measures that they want to take. And it just get, continues, you know, more control. They're giving us a good opportunity to do it ourselves and to do it in a way that doesn't feel like they're, you know, oppressing us in any way. So definitely if that's, um, if you're in a high risk category, if your friends or family are in a high risk category, uh, the best thing you could do for them is to just stay away, stay home, FaceTime with them connect with them over social media. And uh, it's only a short term, only for a few weeks, hopefully. Um, And we can get past this. Uh, I hope that um, I hope that you're, uh, you know, doing what you can with the stock market. I hope that you don't uh, panic sell all of your uh, investments. And I hope to see you on the other side of all this. And uh, we'll continue on with the, the the articles and the podcast episodes and feel free while you've got a lot of free time to uh, go to whatever platform you're listening on, leave a nice review or any review of the channel. If you have negative feedback, please just email it to me so I can, I can take a look at it and see if I want to make any changes to the podcast. Um, but I definitely appreciate all of you appreciate your time and I appreciate your attention. And I hope that uh, you know, everything just continues to um, to improve Um You know, I think we're still a little ways away from the peak and I think it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Uh, But thoughts and prayers are out there to all of you and to all of your families and to anyone else that may or may not be affected by uh, the current uh, global situation that's going on right now. I hope you have a wonderful week and I'll chat with you guys again this weekend.